Love. 
Good morning, Southview. How are we? All right. Glad to have you with us here today. Yes. Glad to have you with us here today, worshiping the Lord together. If you're a guest with us, welcome to you. My name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview, and it's so great to have you today worshiping and being a part with us. So later on, we're going to be going through our series called The Story, and we're seeing the story of God play out throughout the Bible, and then how the story of God plays out in our own lives as well. And we're going to see today how the Spirit of God is sent by God to fill and empower believers. And in Acts chapter 2, this is what the day of Pentecost is what it's called, and and, and Peter is preaching this sermon at Pentecost, and in Acts 2, verse 37, so after he's preached all of this, um, they, the, the people hear this message, they're cut to their hearts for the message, and here's what they say. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So what we're going to see today is how the Spirit of God is sent by God to fill his people. And that includes all of us, even you. And how the Spirit of God working in us powerfully does an amazing work bringing God glory in our lives. And so I want to encourage you today, as we spend time worshiping together and begin our time praying together, I want to encourage you today, let's stop for a moment and let's ask the Spirit of God to speak to each and every one of our hearts. I want to ask you to bow your heads for me. And... As we pray, I just want to give you a minute just to, just to lift your voice to the Lord. Just right where you are. And maybe you don't understand the work of the Holy Spirit and how this comes about. And, 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 and maybe you've been in a whole bunch of different kinds of churches that taught a whole bunch of different kinds of things. And you don't know what in the world's going on. I want to ask you today, we'll just, just ask the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, do your work in me today. Open up my heart to see you. Open up my heart to be filled by you. Open up my heart to see and receive your word. Show me if there's anything in my life that hinders your work in me. Be glorified in me. Holy Spirit, this is our prayer. And Holy Spirit, we ask you today, we don't have to ask you to show up We don't have to ask you to be here. You are already here. And you have already sealed up every believer in Christ in this room. We possess you. You dwell in us. And I ask you today, Spirit of God, that you would do your great work in us. Where there is sin, I pray that you would convict. Where there is brokenness, I pray that you would heal. Where there is discouragement, I pray that you would bring encouragement comfort I pray Spirit of God that you would do this in us today for your glory thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus for not just stopping with the cross but sending your spirit to fill us and dwell us, empower us for your glory we pray this in your name Jesus Amen hey let's stand together everyone let's worship God morning church let's proclaim these great truths that we believe 
live out our faith in this way, God, that we sing songs that represent the truth of who you are. And church, I love this. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. The truth is that the idea that um, justification, we are saved by, by faith, you know, by faith alone in Christ, by grace we are saved, and there's nothing that you can do is a cornerstone of the Christian faith, and so we sing these things. And so we're going to sing a new song today. It's called, Yet Not I, But Christ in Me, and it speaks about this very thing, that there is nothing that we can add to or take away from our salvation because the work lies wholly and completely in the work and in the personhood of Jesus the Christ. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that something to celebrate? So we're going to sing these truths. It's a great song. It's a simple song, but it's powerful and it glorifies God. So let's sing and let's celebrate. What gift of grace. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer. There is no Savior, He will stay. I 
has said that he will bring me home and day by day As we, as we think about these truths, just how powerful what all this means for us. I want to lead us into a little time of prayer before we jump into the Word together. Uh, like I said to you at the beginning of the service, if you were with us, that we're going to be focusing today on the Holy Spirit and the role He plays in the great story of God and in our lives as God is playing out that story with us. Before we, we do that, before we jump in and, and see that in the scriptures, I want us to spend some time praying. And I want to read a scripture to us, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30 to 32. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. I want you to notice two things there in verse 30. Number one, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. If you believe by faith in Christ, you have received the Spirit of God. You have the Spirit of God. But the second thing I want you to see is this. Even though the Spirit of God dwells inside of you and you're sealed up with Him, it is possible for you to grieve Him. For you to make God sad. And, and you see here what makes God sad. I mean, it's not difficult. You can see it in 31 and 32. Let's just, th- your sin, right? Your sin makes God sad. Grieves the spirit inside of you. It, what I want us to see today is that if we're going to have the Spirit of God do His full work in us, which He desires to do, it is imperative that we spend time making sure that we are confessing and repenting all sin. Christians are not sinless. That is just the farthest thing from the truth, right? But what Christians are, are repentant. 
in their sin. So yes, when sin wells up, we, we see them. We're broken over them. We confess them. We repent of them. We, we set that before the Lord and say, God, I don't want that. Forgive me. I, I, I turn from that. Is there anything in your life, anything in your heart that is causing the Spirit of God to be sad inside of you, to grieve? That word grieve is the same word used when someone dies. Grieve. When Jesus Christ, when, when God sent His Son to be slaughtered so that you could be free from sin, it grieves Him like death when you keep walking in that sin. Is that tracking and making sense? It's like death all over again. So, you know, Jesus died so that you wouldn't have to do that. You're free from that. But when we just keep walking in it and walking in it and walking in it, it causes grief to well up in him. But we praise God that through faith in Christ, we get freedom from this, and we get forgiveness for this, and we get to walk completely and totally opposite of this. So I want to ask you to bow your heads for me just for a moment. I want to give you a chance just to sit before the Lord before we dive into his word and and see what God has to say to us in the scriptures. I want us all, myself included, to take just a moment and just sit before the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, is there something that you need to convict me of? Something I need to confess and repent? I, I would encourage you to start by looking at the scriptures that that he lists in this passage related to this right he talks about grieving the spirit of god and immediately he starts rattling off some sins bitterness wrath anger clamor in other words you just run around running your mouth slander malice you have ill will in your heart towards someone all that's to be put away and instead what's to be placed in there is kindness toward everyone a tender heart forgiveness towards everyone just the same way God forgave you through Christ so let's take just a minute let's set this before the Lord let's ask the spirit of God to do his good work in showing us and convicting us and allowing us to see what he desires to do. God, we just thank you. Thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for the fact that you desire to place your spirit inside of us and seal us up with your spirit. I pray, God, if there is anything in any of our lives that causes grief in you, I pray, God, that you would show that. We would not run away from that. We would see that. We would seek to turn from that by your grace, by your power. Submit ourselves to you and say, God, I don't want that to be in me anymore. I just want to walk in holiness kind, tender-hearted, forgiving. That's what I want to be. So Lord, I pray that you would put that in me for your glory. Do this in us, God. Open up your word. Let it be real and alive to us for your glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.
All right. Well, hey, uh, if you have a Bible, let's find Acts chapter 2 together, all right? Acts 2. And again, we're going to be diving in here talking about the Spirit of God. So again, if, if, if you've been with us, we're talking about the story. And what that is, is we're seeing the, the big story of the Bible and how all the little parts of the story are, are holding up the big truth, right? And the big idea is this, that God... It's the story of the Bible story about God and how God came to redeem rebellious sinners like us. We saw how the entire Old Testament is pointing us to Jesus and how Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross for your sin and he was buried and he rose again. And that when you trust by faith in Jesus as your sacrifice for your sin, he forgives you of your sin and adopts you as a child of God. And then you are commanded by God to obey Jesus, follow Jesus. Worship, love Jesus, tell other people about Jesus, and then when they turn to Jesus, teach them how to worship, obey, and follow Jesus. But here's the thing, are you ready? Have you ever tried to do any of that stuff and realized that junk's hard? Like, that's, that's not easy. That is difficult to walk in obedience to Christ. It is difficult to look our selfishness and pride in the face and say that it's an offense to God and I want God more than I want me. And so I'm going to turn to God. That's hard. Which is why we desperately need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there is not a single aspect of your Christian life that, cannot be, that can be accomplished apart from the Holy Spirit. Not one. You cannot be convicted of your sin without the Holy Spirit. You cannot turn to faith in Christ without the Holy Spirit. You cannot have victory over your sin without the Holy Spirit. You can't know God without the Holy Spirit. You can't understand the Scriptures without the Holy Spirit. You can't proclaim the gospel to someone apart from the Holy Spirit. You can't disciple someone to follow Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit. You can't experience Experience the love of God apart from the Holy Spirit. Romans 5 says it's the Holy Spirit that pours God's love into your heart like a faucet. You can't have any of that apart from the Spirit of God. The story of the Bible and the story of God in your life does not end with Jesus on a cross or Jesus rising from the grave. It keeps going. Jesus rose from the grave, Jesus ascended up into heaven, and then Jesus sent down the Holy Spirit to fill and seal and empower and equip you. The story of God is the story of God moving heaven and earth so that he can literally live inside of you. You can't get more intimate than that. This is the great story of God. However, for many of us, we have lived our Christian life apart, really, from actively engaging with the Holy Spirit. For many of us, the Holy Spirit is a doctrine to be believed rather than God to be worshipped, pursued, and experienced. Francis Chan, the author and pastor, wrote a book on the Holy Spirit, and I think he very aptly titled that book, The Forgotten God. It's like, oh yeah, him. It's like, it's like... He's like George Harrison in the Beatles, right? Oh, yeah, there was a fourth guy. The Holy Spirit, apart from the Spirit of God, you've got nothing. In fact, this has always been the case, and God intentionally did it this way so that you would realize it. From the very beginning, Adam and Eve, all throughout the history of Israel, what you see is the people of God 
constantly falling, constantly stumbling, constantly unable to really walk in this faithfulness. And then in Ezekiel chapter 36, we'll throw it up on the screen here, God explains what the problem is. Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27, God says, And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. God said, here's the thing. You need my spirit. You can't do this apart from him. You need the spirit of God living and dwelling actively in you, you engaging with him, walking in relationship with him, pursuing him. This is what you need. Now, for the Old Testament's followers of God, this idea would have been scary. Because the presence of God for them was something to be feared and trembled before. In fact, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, you got a story of a guy. There's the Ark of the Covenant, which possesses, which is the, the Spirit of God on earth, is on a cart and it starts to stumble. And so he's being a good guy, right? It's like, oh my goodness, it's going to fall over. We can't have God fall down. So he just, without even thinking about it, reaches up and, and grabs it so it doesn't fall. And God kills him. Right? And so they've got stories of people just trying to be a helper. And they die because they touched the presence of God. So their thought was, how in the world is that even possible? How can God do that? Well, it was made possible through faith in Christ, who made us now the temple of God, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. So Acts chapter 2 is where I'd like for us to go. And in Acts chapter 2, we see what's called the day of Pentecost and the Spirit of God coming on and filling His church, His people. And we're going to look at this and unpack this just for a few moments and see what is going on here, how this plays out in the grand story of the Bible and what it means for us. All right, so Acts chapter 2, we will pick it up in verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. All right, just for a quick second, just stop. Pentecost, right? This isn't randomness. Why Pentecost? Well, first, what is Pentecost? Pentecost was a day celebrated. It was a feast about 50 days after Passover. Right? So 50 days after Passover is Pentecost. And it celebrated two things. It celebrated, one, the giving of the law, right? Moses on Mount Sinai bringing down the Ten Commandments. You got Moses, two tablets, big long beard flowing in the breeze, Charlton Heston. Let my people go, right? It's remembering that. And the second thing it's doing, it's celebrating the first harvest of the year, right? So Pentecost celebrated two things, the giving of the law and the first harvest. Those are significant. We'll unpack those in a few moments. Third thing that was interesting is this. Pentecost was one of the few feasts where it was commanded by God that all Jews that are able to and can go to Jerusalem to celebrate this, right? And so Jerusalem at this time was filled with people from all over the known world coming to worship and seek and pursue God. This is perfect timing. God is not randomly just picking Pentecost. Like, what day should we do this? Let's just throw a dart on a board. This is on purpose. God is on purpose picking this date because it lines up perfectly with his great story. Same with you and I. 
your life is not random. And God doing what he's done in your life is not random. You sitting in this room today is not random. God is accomplishing a great and glorious thing. And he's weaving all things together for his ultimate purpose and good. We see it doing here in Acts chapter 2. And he's doing it in your life as well. And then what happened? Verse 2. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to each of them and rested on each one of them. So, so they're sitting there. They're praying. Right? Jesus told them to do that. They're obeying Jesus. Jesus said, go to Jerusalem. Wait. So they go. And they're waiting. And they're praying there. It's been about ten days. They're waiting there. They're praying. And suddenly the Spirit of God comes. Right? And this sound like a mighty rushing wind comes flying in and these tongues of fire are dancing on their heads this is must have been an unbelievable sight what i want you to see and understand is as the spirit of god is coming into the people of god something significant is happening here something powerful is happening they are experiencing something Again, the Holy Spirit is not simply a doctrine to be believed or a verse to be read. He is a God to be experienced and worshipped. He changes things. He changes people. And if we're going to say that the Spirit of God dwells inside of us, but we exhibit no change as a result, think about the ramifications of what you just said. God lives in you, and nothing's different. That's going to be a problem, right? That can't be true. Now, it's not going to happen like this. In fact, we don't see anywhere in the Bible where this happens again. In Acts chapter 4, he shakes a building. In Acts chapter 9, he makes Stephen's face shine like an angel. In Acts chapter 16, he brings an earthquake. The Holy Spirit comes in all kinds of different ways. This isn't the point where it's going to happen like this. We're not going to look up here in just a few moments and go, oh my goodness, we'll have little bics, you know, lighters on top of all of our heads. That's amazing. Probably not going to happen. But the point is, when the Spirit of God fills the people of God, the people of God are now different. Like something happens spirit of god quickens us makes us alive makes us new brings us from death to life we're different now we should therefore be living different so as this is happening with them verse four and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance now real super quick we're not going to belabor this point but real super quick let me just chat with us just for a second this is not speaking in tongues as far as this angelic language we know that because in just the next few verses they're clearly speaking known languages we're going to read 6 through 11 people from all over the all over the world different countries different languages are going to hear them speaking in their own language these are known languages being spoken the bible does talk about what we consider speaking in tongues and prayer languages the bible speak to that for sure and those are important things and great scriptures and we're going to get to those as god hopefully gives me a marathon here and not a sprint we'll get and preach through all of that stuff but that's not what's happening here what is happening here is explained in the next verse verse five now there were dwelling in jerusalem jews devout men from every nation under heaven 
And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Verse 12 and all were amazed and perplexed. You think, ever so often the Bible just throws out like a nada verse? Nada. They were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? And then verse 13 says, some just thought they were drunk. Hmm. But that verse 12, that question, what does this mean? That's where I want us to stop for just today. And drill down just for a little bit. Now there's much that we could say about this as to what this means. All right, But I just want to give you a few big ideas, big truths, life-changing things that the Spirit of God is doing in and through His people. What does this mean? How is it that the Spirit of God working in His people continues forward the story of God and radically allows you to be a part of the story of God in your life and in this world? What does this mean i'll give you three things one is this god calls us to be spirit empowered gospel proclaimers what's happening here what's happening here is that again this is on pentecost and pentecost is celebrating the harvest the first harvest coming in and god is bringing in a harvest he's bringing in a harvest of souls there's 16 different people groups referenced in this passage 16 different people groups from all over the world coming together and hearing the gospel as the people of god the 120 there in the upper room are filled with the holy spirit they immediately begin proclaiming the glories of god proclaiming how great god is and as the crowd is gathered, you keep reading in Acts chapter 2, Peter's going to stand up and he's going to preach. He's going to preach the gospel. And he's not going to pull any punches. Remember that Jesus that you killed? Turns out he actually is God. And so you're going to want to ask him to forgive you so that you can worship him as God. It's about proclaiming. So two things that we see in this. Number one is this. God is seeking to bring in a harvest of souls from all parts of life and all parts of the world. And that includes you and I. It doesn't matter what you come in here with today. It doesn't matter what you bring in here with you. God is seeking to make a harvest of your soul. He's bringing you in. He's drawing you in today. The Spirit of God is drawing you into faith in Christ. Again, you are not here today on accident. He is bringing in this great, amazing harvest of souls. And you can be a part of that today. Trust by faith in Christ. See that Jesus is who he said he is. He is God and he did die in your place. And he did victoriously rise again. So that you can trust by faith in him. Be given the spirit of God. And walk in intimacy with God. This is your opportunity to be a part of a great and amazing story. 
And then as it happens, as you come in and you're a part of that harvest, you're a part of trusting by faith in Christ and being made a child of God. The second is, now you're called to proclaim that to other people. Right? We're gospel proclaimers. We're spirit-filled gospel proclaimers. This is exactly what happened here and what continues to happen. In Acts chapter 9, the, spe- the people of God are filled with the Spirit of God and proclaim the gospel. Acts 16, they're filled with the Spirit of God and proclaim the gospel. Acts chapter 4, they're filled with the Spirit of God and proclaim the gospel. You are called by God to leave this room, go out into the world, and as a spirit-filled follower of Jesus Christ, boldly proclaim the gospel that sets people free. That is our calling. But here's the thing. For many of us, we feel very inadequate about that. I can't do that. That's not my personality. That's not my thing. I want to encourage you. Again, as you were to keep reading Acts chapter 2, as Peter is preaching this message, he goes from, he preaches out of the the, the book of Joel in the Old Testament. And he's saying, this promise of the Spirit of God coming and filling and empowering you is available for everyone. Everyone. That includes you. Everyone. And as you're filled and empowered and sealed up with the Spirit of God, you are given supernatural anointing and power of God to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and allow the Spirit of God to draw people to faith in Him that is yours by faith in Christ. And I know you think, well, I can't do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. In fact, so Jesus, anybody know, quick Bible quiz, anybody know who Jesus said was the greatest prophet to ever live? I'll take that awkward silence as a no. Um, John the Baptist, right? Jesus said, no one born of woman is ever greater than John the Baptist. But then, in speaking of the Holy Spirit, he goes on to say, however, whoever is least in my kingdom is even greater than him. So you're tracking with this, you ready? So by pure mathematics, someone in this room has to be the least. Can we just agree? Right? Don't point. Someone just has to be. Maybe it's you. Maybe you walk in here and you feel like, look, I trust by faith in Christ. I'm a Christian, but I'm like, I am here. Like, I just, I'm, I'm just trying to put one foot in front of the other. I'm just trying to survive the day. Like, I, I'm in, but I'm at the bottom. But Jesus says, even for those of us who are in the least of the kingdom, we're greater than even John the Baptist. Why? Because we have something even he couldn't have. We have something that even he didn't have. The Spirit of God living and dwelling inside of us. And I know, again, we feel like, but I, I just can't, I know. I, I remember, so, before I became a pastor, I was young in the faith. Um, I, was, uh, I was a college student. And um, I was actually sitting at my, um, so I met my wife, and she can vouch for this. I brought her over to my apartment for um, our first date, and my, uh, I uh, pulled old pizza out of the fridge, and our dining room table was an ironing board. So I put up the ironing board, poof, nothing but the best here, baby. So, so I did not soup her off her feet. I more wore her down than anything, but anyway. Um, so I remember I'd, I'd set up my, uh, my desk, my ironing board, and, and I was studying this very thing. 
remember that kid, 19, 20 years old, in college, things of God just started, I, I grew up in church, and I, and I did the church thing, and I was a good kid, and I never did stupid things, and mainly just out of fear of getting caught more than love for God, but, but it wasn't until college where something just set on fire in my heart, if that makes sense, like it was, boom, like it just clicked, and so I'm in my, in my, in my apartment, and I'm, I'm reading through the scriptures, and I'm reading through this, and I'm like, okay, Lord, I believe, Holy Spirit, that you um, fill me and empower me to proclaim the gospel. But the fact is, I'm scared. I am scared. I, I don't know how to do that. I don't know what to say. I'm really nervous. I need you to give me an opportunity. Lord, give me an opportunity. Literally, as I say, give me an opportunity, my door knocked. I'm like, Jesus? I open the door, and it's a couple of people selling magazines. Now, for those of you that are young, magazines are these, it was before the internet, right? And so you had these pages that were like stuck together, and you had them, and, you, and, and, and they would either come in your mailbox, or you had to go to this thing called the library and look at them there. Anyway, so, so they're selling magazines. And immediately, as soon as I open the door and I see these two, as a guy and a girl, I see these two, I feel the Lord impress on my heart. All right, do it. <laughs> do it. Let's go. I, my hands are all clammy and I can't breathe and my mouth is dry. So I say, okay. I say, hey, you guys want to come in? They come in and I shut the door. And no lie, this is how it went. I shut the door and I turn around and go, okay, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to sell a magazine. But I believe God has told me to tell you something. All right? So now, imagine you're these two people. Right? Right? And so, hey, we're here to sell magazines. Oh, sure, coming in. Great. Door shut behind you. All right, so here's the thing. So, so like, I think God told me to tell you something. And the girl said, well, then you should probably say it. I said, okay. So I just started, so... I just start with the gospel. So, so there's a God, and he created us, and we sinned against him. But he sent his son to die. Like, so I went to the gospel. And as I'm going through all of this, the guy is like, he's freaking like, is Jesus in the room right now? But the girl is starting to cry. And she says, I've been wanting someone to explain this to me. I said, would you, would you like to trespass? Would you like to test Jesus in your own? Like, yeah. So I lead her to faith right Christ right, right there at my ironing board. And, and I say, all right, great. You know, hey, like, do you, like, do you have a, where are you from? I like, well, we don't live around here. We live off the drop us in. Uh, okay, well, do you have, no, I don't really have a church. Do you have a Bible? I don't have a Bible. It's like, well, take mine, right? So I give her my Bible. She's like, well, if I walk around with that, I'm probably going to get in trouble. So I load, I put it in a trash bag and wrap it up, like, just carry that. And she left. And I can't remember her name, and I don't know what happened in her life. But what that was was a moment in time where God, he was using that. And that has never happened again, right? I've never said, God, I need something. God, I would love some chicken, right? It was like, Colonel Sanders, right? That's never, but it was, it was an event. It was a thing that I needed, the thing that God did in me. To encourage me and show me that the Spirit of God dwells in you for a reason. And that is for you to be a Spirit-filled gospel proclaimer. Trust me. There are some who are going to think you're crazy and going to say, no, thank you, I'm going to leave. And there are some who are going to say, yes, I need Jesus. 
I had two happen at one time in my living room. I'm not responsible for which one it is. But as a spirit-filled follower of Christ, I am responsible for being a spirit-empowered gospel proclaimer. This is the Spirit of God has been placed inside of me for this reason. Acts 2 clearly teaches this. They were filled with the Spirit and immediately proclaimed. You are filled and sealed up with the Holy Spirit so that you will proclaim. Proclaim. The second thing that I think we see is this. God's Spirit works powerfully and uniquely within the church body. Track with me on this. I think this is really important. Where were the believers when the Spirit of God came and filled them? Together. Together. United in heart and mind. Devoting themselves to prayer. They were together. They weren't out doing their own thing and boom, like individually, bop, 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 bop. They were together. Yes, there was something that manifested individually and uniquely. Each of them had the tongue of fire. Each of them proclaimed some kind of language that others could hear. Individually, something manifested, but it happened together as a whole. I want you to hear this. The Spirit of God works powerfully and uniquely within the body of Christ. The point of the Spirit is not for you to get out of here and get your jollies and giggles by yourself. It's for you to be a part of the body and allow the Spirit of God to work in you in the body. If you miss this, you will miss Him. There is no such thing as that. Yes, your relationship with Christ is personal, but it is not private. It is meant to be lived out in the body. And that's just not me talking, that's Bible. Let me read just scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Now, oftentimes we'll take this verse and go, boom, I am the temple of God. And yes, you are. I am made holy. Yes, you are. I must be respected, and anyone tries to destroy this, you're like destroying God's house. Yes. But there's a deeper thing you got to see. So in the Greek, there is something going on here that isn't often expressed and explained in the English that I think is vitally important. The yous there in these verses are not singular. He's not talking about you. He's talking about us. This is why on the eighth day, God created Southerners. Because we have been given to you by God to help you understand the Bible. Right? Southern English. You is one. Y'all is two. What's three? All y'all. Right? You is one. Y'all is two. All y'all is three or four. Three or more. So, let's read this scripture in Southern Do all y'all not know that all y'all are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in all y'all? And if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and all y'all are the temple of God together. What this scripture is telling you is 
Not just the Spirit dwells in you personally, yes, He does. Not just that He seals up you personally, yes, He does. But He does so for a reason of bringing you together. Ephesians 2 says the Spirit of God is building up a house in here and is using us as bricks. The Spirit of God works uniquely and powerfully in the body. If you... If you are not engaged with the body, you will limit the level to which the Spirit of God can move in and move in you personally. There are levels of spiritual engagement, conviction, empowerment, bearing out fruit, ministering to one another with these gifts that can only be accomplished within the body of Christ. If you're not doing this, you are not going to be able to be empowered and experience Him. And I tell you this all the time, and I want you to hear me. Popping in here a couple of times a month, sitting down and hearing me talk, isn't what I'm talking about. Be engaged with the body. The Spirit of God works uniquely and powerfully in the body of Christ in a way that He does not do so just individually in someone's life. It manifests and bears out in here. There are ways you're going to be convicted of sin. There are ways you're going to be empowered. There are ways you're going to be encouraged. There are ways you're going to be able to be ministered to and ministered to others within the body of Christ that you never will do apart from this. It's about the Spirit of God working in us as a whole. So I'll give you three practical things just to think through about that. Ways to be engaged. All right? Number one is this, covenant membership. Covenant membership. There is something about saying, I am saying, I am a part, I am covenanting. I'm joining this group saying I'm committing to them and I'm asking them to commit to me and I'm going to be one with them. Covenant membership. If you have not done that, we're going to start a class up here in the fall. Sign up. Covenant membership. Second is this. Journey group. That's our small group ministry. It's a group of people that get together once a week to study the Bible together and pray with one another and encourage one another and lift one another up and be a part of a group. Again, sitting in here a couple of times a month when your schedule permits is not going to accomplish it. I love you and I'm glad you're here. If you're just trying to fill us out to make sure we're not a cult, I get it. I do the same thing. But when you believe that this is where God has had you, a massive part of that is going to be you taking an active step of being around other believers in this church on a regular basis. So you can be around God's word, in God's word, praying for one another in each other's lives. Here's a question to consider. If you've been in this church for a year or longer, If you've been in this church for one year or longer, and you have no idea what anyone else in this church's kitchen looks like, you are not a part of the body here. It's just a practical thing. If you've been here for a year or more, and you can't tell me what anybody else's kitchen looks like, you're not actually doing life with anyone in this room. You ain't been over anybody's house. Ain't nobody been over to your house. You just show up here. You may even pop into a group. But you can even do that, check off that box and not really engage with one another. Are you a part of the body life? That's how the Spirit of God is going to really move. And third is this. 
I haven't made you upset yet. Give. Give. Now I know the world has its own set of Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt lie, thou shalt, you know, sleep with thy neighbor's wife, and the pastor shall not talk about money. Like, I get it. But Jesus says where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be also. And if you're going to really connect and commit to a body so that the Spirit of God works powerfully in you, there is something practically about that. You need to engage with your treasure. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. You need to engage. Put your money in. This is where I'm at. This is my spiritual house. This is where I'm asking the Spirit of God to move in me and allow me to minister to others. Engage. The Spirit of God works powerfully and uniquely within the body of Christ in a way that He does not out there. And third is this. Third thing is, God desires that you would seek continual filling of the Holy Spirit. Um, So I mentioned that Pentecost is about um, harvest, and also it's about celebrating the giving of the law, right? So now, if you know your Bible and Exodus, um, Moses goes up on Mount Sinai to get the law. He comes down. What are the people of God doing? Having a Bible study? No. They created the golden calf. They're worshiping the golden calf. It goes bad fast. Moses comes down with the Ten Commandments. What does God do? He kills 3,000 men. Right? Men that rebelled against God and rebelled against Moses and rebelled against the law. And I don't want to follow this. God killed 3,000 in one day. The law was given. 3,000 people died. Pentecost. The Spirit of God comes. How many get saved? 3,000. The law is given. 3,000 die. The Spirit comes. 3,000 are given spiritual life. Literally, the Spirit gives life this is why we tell you this is why i'm saying apart from the holy spirit's work in your life there is no life jesus himself said life word and spirit that is life in john chapter 6 this is where you get life so that's why ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 says And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Let's unpack this just for a moment. When it says be filled, that is not a one-time action. That's an ongoing thing. Be continuously filled with the Spirit of God. Now again, you possess the Spirit of God. In fact, Romans chapter 8 would say that if you don't have the Spirit of God, that's proof that you're not actually a child of God, right? So as children of God, Christians, we possess and are filled and sealed up with the Spirit of God. But at the same time, we're commanded to seek continual filling of the Holy Spirit. A continual filling up of God's Spirit in our lives. How does this happen? What does this look like? To be filled up with the Spirit of God. Well, I think you just look to Jesus. Jesus is the example of what it means to be a truly Spirit-filled lover of God. And to be filled up with the Spirit of God means we are formed into the image of Jesus. We bear out the life of Jesus, the fruit of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus. We're, 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 we're experiencing a changed life in Jesus. 
So how do we do this? How do we get filled up with the Spirit of God? I'll give you a couple of thoughts just to kind of think through again. Getting filled up with the Spirit of God. Number one is this. Acknowledge Him and ask Him to do so, right? So that's step one. Acknowledge Him and ask Him to fill you. Ask Him to fill you and empower you. Second is this. Again, we saw Ephesians 5 say that we grieve the Holy Spirit with our sin. Seek the Lord about sin in your life that's grieving the Spirit of God. Is there grieving of the Spirit there? If your life is filled with sin, if your life is walking in unrepentant sin, you're not going to be filled and empowered with His Spirit. You're grieving Him. You're making Him sad. Is there sin that needs to be repented of? First Thessalonians 5 says don't quench the Spirit. In other words, it's describing this idea of blowing out a match. Right? You're quenching. How do you quench the Spirit? It'll go to the next verse to say, don't quench the Spirit by, by um, despising prophecy. In other words, by turning a deaf ear to people speaking God's word, God's truth into your life. Like I said, there's something about being around the people of God that allows you to experience the Holy Spirit and be filled with the Holy Spirit in ways you can't out there. Are you surrounding yourself with people of God? That will speak truth into your life. Speak God's word into your life. Encourage you where you need to be encouraged. Convict you where you need to be convicted. Teach you where you need to be taught. And then are you receiving that? Are you listening to that? Are you humbly submitting yourself to that? Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I just want to, it's not going to be on the screen, but I just want to read it to you. Romans 12, 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship as we're engaging with the Holy Spirit. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So, being filled with the Spirit of God. I know the, the cool thing about being here in Fayetteville is we have people from a lot of different backgrounds. So when we talk about being filled with the Spirit of God, that has nothing to do with getting the right person to pray for you, or the right Bible study, or the right kind of church, the right kind of worship. Boy, that was, that was Spirit-filled. That was, and sometimes we just throw words around. We don't really know why we're saying it. We just do. Well, that pastor has the anointing. So make sure, what does that mean? Well, it means it's really expensive to go to his conference. How do we get filled with the Spirit of God? Fall on your face and submit yourself to God in his word. Ask God in his word, the Spirit of God, to open up his word and plant it deep into your heart. And then you repent of your sin, you submit yourself to him, and you fall on him. As a follower of Jesus Christ, listen, the question is not, do you have the Spirit? The question is, does the Spirit have you? Are you submitted to him? Is there anything in your life that is off limits that's just for you? That's stopping you from being filled. Submit yourself to him. Fall on your face today before him and say, Jesus, you have my all. Holy Spirit, I need you. Holy Spirit, I need you. And then engage with him. And as you go through the day and you're convicted of sin, you cry out, Holy Spirit, help me. And when you're angry, you say, Holy Spirit, help me. And when you're depressed, you say, Holy Spirit, help me. Fill me. I need you. Fall on your face and get in his word. 
And let the Spirit of God plant His Word deep inside of you so that you're able to walk in the filling of the Spirit of God. I'm going to ask our band to come up. And as they do, I want to read one more scripture to you. John chapter 16. This is Jesus talking. Look what Jesus says in John 16. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Think about this. Jesus is saying it's a good thing that he leaves. Can you imagine that? I mean, oftentimes we think, boy, if just Jesus was right here, if just Jesus was with me, if I could just talk to Jesus. And Jesus said, no, 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 it's a good thing. It's to your advantage that I'm not going to be here. It's to your advantage that I'm going. Why? Because in his ascending up into heaven, in his going, he sends the Holy Spirit to fill up and dwell in each and every one of us. Here's the great truth. The story of God is this. We have rebelled against God and run from him. Our hearts are hard and callous and selfish and sinful. But God chased us and pursued us. And he he caught us on Calvary with Jesus Christ on the cross, dying for our hard, callous, rebellious hearts. And he died and he, he was buried in the grave and he rose again, conquering death, hell, sin, and the grave. And he says, if you just Turn to me, trust in me, let me take away your sin and make you new. And then he ascends up into heaven so that when you trust in him, he fills you with God himself. The gospel is, God is so glorious and so amazing and so jaw-dropping that he moved heaven and earth so that he can literally live inside of you. Do not sniff at that. Do not wink at that. and Do not just sweep that on the rug like it's no big deal. That is glorious and amazing. The Spirit of God dwelling in the people of God, bearing out the fruit of God in our lives for the glory of God. This is His story, and He's bearing it out in you. And it's happening as you trust and submit and seek and worship and pursue and ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit as you submit to God and submit to his word and seek to be made more and more into his image. This is the story, and it is awesome. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for me. And we're going to end our time together worshiping the living God. And the point of all this is that the living God now lives in you through faith in Christ. Making you a spirit-empowered gospel proclaimer, telling everyone what he's done in you and what he desires to do in them. Joining you together in a body of Christ so that in this body you can really experience the fullness of the Spirit of God working and moving and bearing fruit and ministering to you and allowing you to minister to others. And constantly, every day, filling you, filling you, filling you as you fall on your face and resubmit your life to Him and ask Him to bear out His fruit in you and allow His Word to bear out in your heart, in your life, in your family. Holy Spirit, I ask you today, 
Let us see fresh how glorious and amazing you are. Let us see that we are dead in the water apart from you. Let us, those of us who need to see this, let us see that we have tried to spend the bulk of our Christian life really apart from you in our own strength. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would today convict us of that. I pray that we would repent and turn from that and that we would seek you, Holy Spirit, to fill us and empower us like only you can. Thank you, Spirit. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship together.
Amen. Amen. You can have a seat, guys. Well, as we finish up our time here, real quick, just got a couple of things I want to throw your way. One, if you're a guest with us, welcome. We're so glad that you're here today worshiping with us. We'd love to connect with you. Best way you can do that is just to grab your cell phone and text the word CONNECT to our number on the screen, 910-424-1298. That's how we can get uh, plugged in with you, know how to minister to you. Uh, but for everyone here, we got our three big announcements, what's going on, how you can stay plugged in and connected with the ministry here at Southview. One is this, Promotion Sunday. That's going to be August 21st, two weeks from today. So that means for our kids, they're going to move up to the next grade here uh, in our ministry. So that'll be August 21st. And for rising sixth graders, there's going to be a sixth grade and parent social on August 19th with our youth pastor Ryan. If you want to sign up for that, you can text RISING to our number 910-424-1298. Second, deacon nominations. Uh, It's that time of year where we um, select deacons to serve our body. Uh, If you have someone in mind you'd like to suggest for that, you can text the word deacon to our number, 910-424-1298. Do that over the next few weeks uh, to submit potential names to serve as deacon here uh, at Southview. And then third is this, our equip classes. We're starting a new slate of equip classes here in the fall. Uh, Phenomenal classes over the next couple of weeks. We're going to tell you a little bit more about them. But just wonderful, wonderful opportunities for you to be encouraged and discipled in the faith. If you'd like to see a list of all those classes and get plugged into one, you can text the word EQUIP to our number, 910-424-1298. That'll get you connected with those classes, and you can sign up for any of those. And then for any other announcements, anything going on, you can download our app, iTunes, Google Play. Uh, You can get connected there. Find a journey group. Give online. You can give online or at the giving boxes as you leave, whatever works best for you. Uh, But that app is the best way for you to stay connected with us as a church. All right? I love you guys with all my heart. Let me pray for you and let you go. Lord God, we just thank you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are alive and that you are active and that you fill us and that you seal us up in our salvation and that you are the guarantee, the promise of our future hope in heaven. We thank you, Jesus, for purchasing that for us on the cross. I pray, God, that we would walk in the power of that for your glory. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you so much. Have a great week.